0: Welcome back, or welcome to the, I don't know what to call this sports podcast, my name is Cameron. Obviously, with the second episode, I'm, I don't got a lot of traction so far, so if you're new here, make sure you uh, make sure you uh, keep coming back, because I'm going to try to do this, I'm going to try it, you know? Who knows where it goes, who knows where it leads me, but hey, can't say I'm not going to try, and... I can't say that at the end of the day I'm going to be disappointed because, you know, at least I tried. And speaking of disappointments, let's talk about the Charlotte Hornets. The Charlotte Hornets at this point are 29-30, ninth in the Eastern Conference, the exact same place that they ended last year in the rankings, I believe. They either ended ninth or 8th, or maybe they finished. Let's see, what did they finish? They finished 10th. So that's even worse. Uh, They are more than likely going to finish with more losses than they did last year, even in a year last year where they played 10 less games. And everything so far has just been a massive disappointment from where we thought LaMelo Ball and the Charlotte Hornets were going to be at this point. Now, am I going to tell you that they had the expectations of a team Like Brooklyn or a team like the Lakers or a team, you know, teams like Miami or Boston even or even Atlanta coming into the season where we thought that they were going to be the elite teams of the conference. Did we think Charlotte was going to be that team? Probably not. But I think we thought at this point at the All-Star break with a All-Star in LaMelo Ball and with a very good supporting cast with guys like Miles Bridges and many others, I think we thought this team was going to be a lot further In their development and you know last night they lost in minnesota to go under that 500 mark i don't know when the last time they were under 500 was but going into this now they have one game to get back to 500 that is going to be what is that tomorrow against miami so i mean 60th game of the year you're probably going to lose it and go into the all-star break at 29 and 31 and that's just a massive disappointment, and there's obvious things to point to. You know, they're they're 29th in scoring, uh, scoring allowed on the defensive side of the ball. They're 24th in defensive rating, only 11th in offensive rating. Uh, their points per game, they're second, but their net rating is 18th at a negative 0.8, so they're obviously just not, you know, they're just not getting it done, and... I don't know who really is to blame at this point because when you look at this team, it is a strange team. You know, you got like four or five guys that basically could all play the same position, but they play different positions. And what I mean by that is you have guys like LaMelo, Kelly Oubre, Bridges, Gordon Hayward, PJ Washington, Book Knight, uh, Montrez Harrow now, all of those guys range from the 6'5 to 6'7 range. And not only that, but, you know, LaMelo, you have a 6'7 point guard. Miles Bridges, you have a 6'6 power forward. Kelly Oubre, you have a 6'7 small forward. Uh, you know, Gordon Hayward, 6'7 small forward. PJ Washington, 6'7 power forward. Book Knight, 6'5 shooting guard. I think a lot of these guys at this point, and then Montrez Harrell now, 6'7 center. I think a lot of these guys are, you know... I would say that a lot of these guys are kind of those in-between players. You know, P.J. Washington at 6'7", even though he plays power forward, you know, he he's matched up a lot of times against guys that are bigger than him or are faster than him. P.J. Washington isn't the most incredible athlete. He's a really good player, don't get me wrong. I love watching P.J. Washington play. I think he has a chance to become one of the better players on this team. But... You know, when you look at everything going on, there's an obvious lack. Oh, God, excuse me. There's an obvious lack at, you know, their big spot, their 20th in defensive rebounding, which is weird because they're 7th in offensive rebounds. Uh, They're 3rd in assists, they're 4th in steals, 13th in blocks, 9th in turnovers, uh, 21st in fouls, which probably is an issue. But everything that they do, they actually do really well. 9th in three-point percentage. Uh, let's see. They're you know they're 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 twenty seventh in free throw percentage, so that's bad. But at the same time, I think at this point we should be expecting that James Borrego is probably going to be out after this year because I even thought after last year there was a chance that they were going to try to move on and bring in an established coach that could you know bring something new to this team and get them over the hump because right now I would go as far as to say that they've been the biggest disappointment in the NBA especially when you consider you know since what day is that January or December 6th they were 14 and 12 since then they've won their record is 15 and 18 so it just hasn't looked good even if you go back further than that at November 27th they were 13 and 9 so since then they've gone 16 and 21 like, it's obviously, they, they, they're they not even floating above water at this point. They're they're drowning, and they a lot of it has to do with their terrible defense. A lot of it has to do with the fact that I think a lot of their players don't really have a good role that actually suits them. I think what James Borrego does is has all his players, which is not really a bad thing. I think he has all his players just play basketball. He doesn't have guys just suited to one role, and... That's why we've seen guys like Miles Bridges and LaMelo Ball be really good players so far this year. But, you know, at this point for the Charlotte Hornets, it's really, really unlikely that they even make the playoffs, in my opinion. Because when you look at the rest of this season and the statistics or or the standings, you know, the Atlanta Hawks are still right there. They're a game behind... The Charlotte Hornets for that ninth spot. The Washington Wizards, with everything that's happened to them, are a game and a half back. The Knicks are two and a half games back, three and a half games back of the Charlotte Hornets. The Knicks aren't playing for next year. The Knicks are trying to win now. And even though I agree with the statement that playing for the play-in tournament is not playing for the playoffs, I'd rather be in the play-in tournament than have, you know, the 10th overall pick and have it not pan out. Because the way it's looking right now, that's probably going to be the case for the New York Knicks. They have the fourth worst record in the Eastern Conference, but if you look at the Western Conference, there's five, six teams who have a worse record than the New York Knicks. So that slots them at the very end of the lottery, Uh, even if they have their first-round pick, which I don't even know if they do have their first-round pick this year. If they don't, that makes it even worse for them. Um, And really, at this point, for... Charlotte it's now or never because if they do not at least get a seed at the six or seven spot if they're in the tournament in a playoff tournament between you know if it were to end right now with the Hawks the Nets and the Raptors I don't see Charlotte getting out of that because they have to win at least two games as that nine seed they'd have to what how does it work they'd have to beat Brooklyn. And they'd have to beat, or they'd have to beat Atlanta and they'd have to beat someone else, right? I mean, as that nine seed, it's just even if they make the playoffs through the play in tournament, who really is giving the Charlotte Hornets a chance against either the Miami Heat, the Chicago Bulls, the Bucks, the Cavs, the Sixers, or the Celtics, the other six teams who are not in the play in tournament right now? I don't give the Charlotte Hornets any sort of chance. And then you're talking about a team who has an even worse draft position than I was talking about with the New York Knicks. They're probably mid to late 10s or even early 20s, depending on where they get slotted. So I don't know. I I don't know what to think about the Charlotte Hornets because obviously they're a good team. They've, they've been able to beat good teams this year, and they've been able to be competitive in a lot of their situations. But at a 29-30 and 30 record right now and possibly at 29-31 and 31 after their game uh, against Miami Heat, it's just not really looking good for them. And, you know, they have one of, if not the worst defense, yeah, they have the worst defense in their conference. The only defense that has um, allowed more points a game so far this year is the Houston Rockets, which <laughs> that's another story for another day. But at this point, I don't know. I've said I think I've said everything that I need to say, you know, at this point, it's just it's just been a massive disappointment and time is running out for Charlotte to kind of figure this out. All right. So, now at this point, let's talk about something that's been really really a hot topic over the past few days. So, obviously everyone knows the Los Angeles Rams won the Super Bowl the other day. Everyone knows that the Los Angeles Rams at this point are a team who is going to defend their crown as Super Bowl champions. They're going to be the team next year with the target on their back. And now that he has won a Super Bowl, everybody is making this claim for Matthew Stafford to be for sure first ballot Hall of Famer and to be considered along with 26 other quarterbacks that have made the Hall of Fame. He is up he's supposed to be considered now one of the best quarterbacks of all time in the hall of fame stratosphere. Now here's what I will say. Matthew Stafford is probably going to end up his career. If he stays in LA for the rest of his career, he might win another title depending on how LA is able to fix their situation right now. And, there's a chance that Matthew Stafford gets well over 60,000 passing yards and climbs up that ranks, those ranks as you know, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. I'm not saying that it cannot happen, but when you tell me that right now when you tell me that right now what Matthew Stafford has done deserves to just absolutely implement him into the Hall of Fame. Because he just won a Super Bowl. I cannot get behind that. And, you know, something that I literally just stumbled upon. Not even trying to do it. Matthew Stafford has more times as... And this doesn't mean anything. I understand that this means nothing. But, I mean, you look at the years where Matthew Stafford has been ranked from a fantasy you know, fantasy football perspective at that quarterback ranking. You have numbers like in 2020, he was the 15th best quarterback in 2019. He was 29th, given he was a player who played eight games. But the year before, when he played all 16 games, he was 20th. Three years before that looked good. He was 7th and 17, 7th and 2016, and 9th and 15. But, you know, before that, he was 15th, 11th, 40th, 26th, you know, quarterbacks don't rank that low in a non-fantasy perspective and ever get considered for Hall of Fame. And, you know, I just don't get how a guy, his touchdown-to-interception ratio is barely over two. And as someone who really values that interception number, you know, having, having... What is going on here with these stats? Uh, You know, he came to L.A. as one of the most turnover-prone quarterbacks that we've seen in a long time. He's had one season in which he did not throw over double-digit interceptions, and that was the year where he only played in eight games. Uh, You know, I just don't understand how automatically just winning the Super Bowl makes it. I mean, I don't think Joe Flacco is going to make the Hall of Fame, but he won a Super Bowl. I don't think that if, you know, just look at a lot of guys who have won one Super Bowl. Is, 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 you know, is Trent Dilfer ever going to make the Hall of Fame? I don't think so. He won a Super Bowl, and I think he made a Pro Bowl or two in his life, you know. And he was considered a decent quarterback at his time. But at this point, yeah, one-time Pro Bowler, one-time Super Bowl champion. Those are the exact same statistics that Matthew Stafford has in terms of an accolade position. Now, Trent Dilfer threw only 113 touchdowns to 129 interceptions, but he won the Super Bowl. He did the one thing he was supposed to do, and not only that, he did it in the one year he was there. And... He's never, going to make, he's never going to make the Hall of Fame. You know, I, I, just don't, I just don't get how you can consider Matthew Stafford to be a Hall of Famer. I mean, when you look at Hall of Fame quarterbacks, you have Steve Young, Joe Montana, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady when he gets there, Jim Kelly, Brett Favre, John Elway, Terry Bradshaw. Now I'm not gonna sit here and try to like explain to you names like Sonny Jurgensen and Fran Tarkenton, even though I do know a little bit about Fran Tarkenton or Norm Van Brocklin. I'm not gonna explain to you why those guys deserve to be in the Hall of Fame and Stafford doesn't. But what I will say is, you know, the whole Detroit thing. Why wasn't Detroit ever a winner with Matthew Stafford? Why was he never? Why did he never win in Detroit? Was it because they were just that bad or was it because Stafford just wasn't that impactful of a quarterback? You you look at every single season that he was there and even the years that they made the playoffs, so what? They lost as soon as they got there. Uh, you know, They were a team that always was getting outscored. I think almost all besides two or three seasons that Matthew Stafford was there, their team was outscored in point differential by a lot at times. And sure, is Matthew Stafford one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL right now? Maybe. He's maybe one of the better ones. I mean, he did just lead the league in interceptions, and I don't know if he necessarily even had that great of a year when you talk about just, you know, he won. That's the only thing that he did is he won and while i do value that more than anything i don't value a guy who throws more interceptions than anybody because then you know he's he's as close to a modern day Brett Favre as we have and a lot of people give that give that moniker to Patrick Mahomes or tried to give that to moniker that moniker to Patrick Mahomes but you know Brett Favre and Matthew Stafford are really the only guys i could say in a list of hall of fame quarterbacks that they could be some of the most turnover-prone guys the NFL has ever seen, but still be considered one of the best at their positions because they won. And, you know, I guess I have to give it to Stafford. Proved me wrong. He proved a lot of people wrong. Proved everybody wrong that said that this wasn't going to work. But just pump the brakes. Just pump the brakes a little bit on Stafford for Hall of Fame because... I think, it's a, I think that's a little bit of a disrespectful thing to say to guys like Joe Montana and Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. Especially like Brady and Manning and Drew Brees, guys that did it at the time when Matthew Stafford was in the league. You know, you compare Stafford to Brady or even Brees or Manning, either one of the Manning brothers, uh you know, there's a lot of resumes out there that deserve to actually have Hall of Fame respect than Matthew Stafford does. And even though he won the Super Bowl first year, great. But maybe win one more. And a, a conversation about Hall of Fame locks will actually be had and respected by me. Speaking of the the uh, Detroit Lions... Something a little interesting to me was, you know, the Detroit Lions fan base is probably one of the most miserable fan bases in the NFL right now. Uh, not only in the NFL, but probably in the entire country of fan bases. Um, you have a team in Detroit, not only that saw Matthew Stafford, his first year away from their team, win a Super Bowl with the LA Rams, but it's a team who always has seen their incredible players either leave early or maybe in some guys' cases not leave early enough. Uh, Obviously, Calvin Johnson, Barry Sanders. You know, the team just has a history of not performing. And even when they do perform well and make the playoffs, they just are not ever respected as a team that could actually win and make a playoff run. They've never had that respect in my entire lifetime. Never. And, you know, I, I can think of more moments of the Detroit Lions, like, bloopers than I can think of them actually doing well. Like, the only thing I can really remember of the Detroit Lions doing something well is Calvin Johnson, like, mossing everybody in the end zone for touchdowns. That's the only thing I can remember. I can remember Dan Orlovsky running out of the back of the end zone more than I can remember anything else about the Detroit Lions. But with that said, I don't know if they're the most miserable franchise in sports at the moment. I mean, you have a lot of franchises that are really, really terrible. Take my favorite team, for instance, the Houston Texans. 4-13 this year. year before, we weren't too great. And I think the year before... Let's see how does this history go for the Houston Texans? So we go 4 and 13 this year, we went 4 and 12 last year, obviously a wash. And then the last time we made the playoffs, we took a 24-0 lead against the Kansas City Chiefs and then gave up 51 straight to end up losing the game. My team doesn't have a great history either, Detroit fans. I like we suck, We suck. But even with that being said, at least for the Houston Texans, you know, there's probably more franchise stars in Houston Texans history than there are in Detroit Lions history. Now, am I going to say that that Calvin Johnson and Barry Sanders are worse players than Andre Johnson and, you know, J.J. Watt? No, but at least at least. We made the playoffs with those guys, and we we tried to put something in front of them to win. I, I'd say at least we tried. You know, our draft history doesn't look great. We took Amobia Koye in 06, and literally four of the next five picks went Patrick Willis, Marshawn Lynch, Darrell Rivas, and Lawrence Timmons. Now, I can't explain that, but what I can explain is, you know, at least we tried. I think at least we tried. Looking around the other teams in the NFL, you know, the Jaguars are pretty miserable right now. They have, I think they probably made the worst head coaching hire in the NFL with Doug Peterson. Uh, The Jets, I really feel for the Jets because it looked like they had some things going there. looked like they really had a chance to be a mainstay again in the NFL when they made those back-to-back conference championships with (laughs) with Mark Sanchez and Rex Ryan. But even with that being said, I think that that the Jets, I don't know if they're the most miserable team in sports right now. Because at least with the New York Jets, there is always going to be consistent fanfare. And every time there's a new season, Jets fans think it's their season to win. And that's how fan bases should be. I, I applaud the New York Jets for that. Now, Compare that to the NBA. Compare that to the Orlando Magic and the Sacramento Kings of the NBA. Let's start with the Sacramento Kings. You're talking about a team who ever since they probably had a playoff series rigged against them with the Los Angeles Lakers in '02, 2 they've been one of the worst franchises in the NBA. They've been one of the worst franchises in the league ever since I've pretty much been born outside of that '02 2 season with Weber and everybody else on that Kings team. But even the Kings, I don't consider them to have a worse, a more miserable fram base than the Orlando Magic. I mean, oh my goodness, the Orlando Magic. First off, I don't think anyone really in Orlando cares about the Magic. I don't think anybody even, like, if you just randomly went up to somebody on the Orlando streets, if you asked them to name any players, they probably wouldn't be able to name outside of maybe Cole Anthony and Jalen Suggs or Mo Bamba, I think it would be a massive struggle for people in Orlando to name players on that Magic squad. And to be fair, they don't really need to know anybody on the Orlando Magic roster because they are one of the worst teams in the NBA. Not only right now, but they've been one of the worst teams in the NBA since the Shaq and Penny era. Um, Yes, they made the finals with Dwight Howard, but... That finals team is up there with teams like the Philadelphia 76ers with Allen Iverson as one of the worst teams to ever make the finals in NBA history. And some people might disagree with that, but I mean, you're talking about a team that was literally Dwight Howard and Jameer Nelson, Rashard Lewis, Hito Turkoglu, and who else? Aaron Aflalo was on that team, maybe? JJ Redick was on that team, uh, Martian Gortat like if you put that team in the NBA right now they're getting washed by 50 points by the Golden State Warriors a team that actually does what the Orlando Magic tried to do Um, yeah I just don't I like I would have no hope if I was an Orlando Magic fan I would have absolutely zero hope and I hate saying that because as a fan oh god excuse my young. I mean, shoot, as a fan, I want to see all 30 NBA teams in the playoffs. I want to see every single team be competitive and be in the running for a championship. Obviously, that's not going to happen, but at least with the Orlando Magic, I wish they would, like... I just wish for things with them, man. You see the teams that... You see the guys that they draft or they sign... And it's like, what they took that guy? What they signed that guy? What they traded for who? It's like, wow, they trade they trade Aaron Gordon for an injured Gary Harris an R.J. Hampton, who is not going to get much playing time. And who else? Like, uh, that's a shaky trade. It was shaky when they let Shaquille O'Neal walk. It was shaky when they, you know, they just made shaky moves basically my entire life. And, you know, I I just feel bad for their fans. I feel bad for their franchise. And I feel bad for their players, too. Because, obviously, they don't want to play for a team that has no respect and has no fan base hype around them. They don't want that. But at the same time, they have it. And someone has to have that, that distinction of having the worst... Most miserable franchise in the in in the world, um, and right now I think that I really think that lies in Orlando. Um, so yeah, that's probably going to be the end of this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you didn't, I apologize. I probably just wasted like twenty six minutes of your time, and hopefully tomorrow, if I do this again tomorrow, which hey. Every day is a new day. Maybe I'll do it again tomorrow. Maybe I won't. But if I do, I hope you watch it or listen to it. This is a podcast. So listen to it with your ears.